welcome back to ASC A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child, and we do encourage you that growth for your child is possible. In this podcast, we conclude our series, Why Your Child Needs Dynamic Intelligence. And as I visited with Dr. Gustin, he spoke of the critical need for professionals to address the core deficits that all children with ASD have and how parents are key to their children receiving the help they need. The awareness that is so important to bring to people about what we're learning about ASD from our research, which is often very impenetrable. It's often very difficult to understand it. Um, I find that outside of the people doing the research, almost nobody knows about the research, which is very odd, isn't it? Or they may hear snippets here and there, but they, they it's not being communicated to the professional, the autism professional community. Um, and um, it's, that's really sad because, you know, it, it's the way we understand what, is going on with this disorder with people who have this disorder and how to help them and what their biggest needs are. And um, if we don't have that awareness, so if we use that word awareness, we really need to, to be able to dramatically increase awareness of how we understand the disorder of autism spectrum, you know, autism spectrum disorder based on what we have are learning and what we have learned. Um, we need to be able to translate that to um, both other professionals in the field and also to parents and educators so that, you know, we really can rethink what we're doing and, you know, and even how we measure success or how we measure uh, improvement and what we're aiming, but mostly what we're aiming towards, you know, what, what's the ultimate thing we're trying to do to help people with ASD to have a better quality of life. Um, you know, we've, we, I've talked already about the, the, the sort of negative side, which is that, you know, the research is saying to us, there's no research that's saying that things are getting better for people with ASD in terms of how these, you know, any, any of these interventions or early interventions or others are helping people to, to do better. I think that, that there are some societal things that are improving the lives of people with ASD in certain areas. Um, you know, we're not institutionalizing them as we used to. We're, the stigma is not there. We're not hiding. Parents don't need to hide their child from the world as much. And so there's some things that are improving in terms of awareness of ASD. Um, and that it's not necessarily hopeless. It's not necessarily the people with ASD. I think one thing that's changed is that the, 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 the old stereotype that we used to have of, uh, children or people with ASD was that of Rain Man. Was that somebody who was really mentally, uh, impaired, cognitively impaired, um, somebody who could not really functionally, you know, be in the world at all, um, who had little, um, little hope for recovery. I mean, if you think about, or improvement, you think about that movie Rain Man, and you think about the ending of it, he sends him back to the institution at the end. And that's, that's the belief in that movie is that's the best thing for this gentleman, you know? Uh, because, and, and it's sad because what has happened is he, he's, he's become institutionalized. Not, it's not about his autism, although that's what the movie implies. It's about the fact that he's growing up having 
you've grown up in an institution, he's dependent on it, just like people who wind up going to prison or, or spending years in any institution. But um, uh, hopefully we're getting past those, uh, those stigmas. Um, and, you know, and have, and, and I think that, you know, sometimes that gets overplayed, um, by a few examples, cases of people with ASD who, who are doing better. But I do think that's a, that's a positive thing. But what we're not addressing is what in the daily lives of people, children, adolescents, adults, what should we be doing to help to improve their life? What is it that, they, not that we should be doing for them. In other words, not so much compensations and things to, to change the environment for them. But what should we be doing for them in terms of their own minds, in terms of their own ability to think and solve problems and have a sense of agency, influence over their own life and be able to function in relationship and obtain their goals, their desires. What should we be doing to help them to have that type of autonomy, to help them to have that type of, of um, effectiveness in the world. What is it that's getting in the way? What are the things that we know that are universal for people with this disorder that um, are, are the biggest obstacles for them? That if we could help them to develop these what I call mental tools, if you will, they would be able to function um, in the world in, in a way that would be effective that would leave that would leave them feeling competent and leave them able to meet their goals whatever those goals would be i don't think that there's an awareness of that um i think now that you know we get past the stereotype of people they actually don't talk and that we know they do and then not all what we used to call mentally retarded and actually intellectually deficient which we know they're not then things start to get very muddy even though the research is getting clear the common perception of what gets in the way gets very muddy and, and people really don't understand what is it we should be doing to help people with ASD in their own, uh, to develop their own mental, emotional capacity to function autonomously on their own. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding because the outcome studies, you know, that are done of the population, they're not done just, there are no outcome studies of any treatment in terms of functional effectiveness in life. There's none in terms of um, friendships, in terms of uh, work uh, relationships, in terms of you know, employability, in terms of independence. There's no correlation. There's not even a single study that says, okay, if, if you do this treatment, it improves this in terms of employability, relationship, whatever. But we see that in, in general, we're not, we're not seeing that our adults, our young adults, our teenagers are, are doing better. Uh, are getting more, are having more, are increasing their potential to have a quality of life that they that they all want. Um, we see the psychiatric disorders of ASD. I think we're getting better measurements now. Seventy-five to eighty percent severe depression and anxiety disorders that are not necessarily you're not necessarily born with those just because you have ASD. I think that's a misnomer. I think they're a result of you know. Having living in a world where you're, we're not making able to make sense of things, you're not able to to extract meaning from your experience that helps you. You're not able to um, imagine your potential futures and plan and prepare and predict so that you're ready to face what may happen. You're not, you know, 
you're not able to recover from things that don't work out well for you and have that flexibility and that resilience. I think that the psychiatric disorders are secondary to those things. Um, and, and to the, the repeated sense of, of failure that often, you know, you experience. Um, so we see that. We see the suicide rate of people with ASD being seven times that of their neurotypical compatriots. And that's not part of being ASD. We see the employability that each year that someone with ASD is out of a formal educational uh, setting, their, their uh, odds of them being able to gain, get gainful employment go down each year. So what's telling us is that once they move out of that sort of dependent environment where people are compensating for them, they're not able on their own, right, to, to increase their competence. They're not learning. They're not getting better at whatever they're doing. They're not able to solve the problems that they have to deal with in their day-to-day lives and make the decisions that they need to make and use the judgment that we, we, we require of people to, to succeed in, in the current work environment. What we know is that what the research tells us is that there are several areas that are universal, are universally impaired for people with ASD, and they are major areas. But they're not, those areas don't get communicated to our professionals or to um, our parents or to the people with ASD themselves. And the first, you know, you could, you could look at them in different ways. There's, there's severe impairment in self-awareness and being aware of your own feelings and being able to use emotions as information right, that can help guide you and help you make decisions and judgments. Not, I'm not talking about emotions as things that you react to, <laughs> but emotions as information and a severe impairment there. An impairment in self-awareness, self-understanding, in learning what you need, in learning who you are, in learning um, what works for you, in learning how you're perceived by others. Severe impairment. Okay. So a severe impairment in, in, in learning about yourself and being able to use your own experience on a moment-to-moment basis. Similar, of course, is a severe impairment in awareness of others. And of course, those go hand in hand. What we know from our research is in, in child development is that they develop together. And awareness of self, our own internal world, others' internal world are things that co-develop. And so we're not that surprised when we see what we used to call, or we still call theory of mind deficits, or the, you know, the inability to understand other people's intentions and their goals and their expectations and what they may be thinking about and what their beliefs are. And, um, and also what they may be feeling and how you're impacting what they may be feeling, um, in, in, in real world environments. And then, so, so we have that tremendous, um, impairment and that's, Many, many studies have been done in both of those areas. And we have a third area of the inability to benefit from your own prior experience, the inability to learn about yourself, to extract meaning about who you are, what you are from your experience in the past as you go through life, and the ability then to engage also in what we call mental time travel, the ability to be able to re-experience things. And that has enormous impact because you can't, re-experience and then say, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to do that again. You can't get personal significance unless you have, you know, some emotional state in what you're reflecting on. Um, the other thing is that you can't translate 
prior experience into future, which is really a disaster for people with ASD. And what we have research showing, and it's very good and it's universal, is the inability of people with ASD to use that prior experience and to project themselves into future situations. How do you plan? How do you prepare yourself for the future unless you can do that? How do you, you know, and think about it. If we, if we, if we can't, um, use or we can't extract things from our prior experience, how in the world can we prepare for the future? Otherwise the future is like unknown, right? Um, and so it's a huge, huge impairment there. So we see also that's how we learn about ourselves by, by, you know, by reflecting on our prior experience, right? So we know that and those are just three areas, you know, that, that self emotional and mental self awareness, same thing with uh, the awareness of others and the concern for others, which gets into what we call empathic concern. Um, and the, their mental states and their emotions and the, and the inability to engage in what we call mental time travel, um, to be able to really extract meaning from your own experience, to see it as yours, right? Those three areas are solidly, um, you know, uh, demonstrated as universal. Doesn't matter what your IQ is, other issues. Those are things that every person with ASD suffers from having, not having that. And we take that, it's hard to imagine what that's like. If you take that away, you take away your personal past, your personal potential future, your ability to reflect, your ability to be aware of yourself, your ability to be aware of others in ongoing interactions, take that away. And how do you expect someone to function in, in the real world? Right? So, the, the thing that we doesn't get disseminated is that's what's going on. But the other part of what doesn't get disseminated is why is that happening? Why are those impairments happening? There are others as well, which we don't have time to get into, but those are huge. And the mistake I think people make is assuming that that's just part of autism. You're just born with that. And so you just have to live with the inability to do those things. And there's no reason to believe that's true, but that gets very, that's very accepted. So people say, well, we just have to compensate for that, which you can't do. You can't compensate for that. You can't, you know, we don't have mental implants that are going to compensate for that. So um, what we do is we wind up, you know, offering people where they see a pretty minimal life without those things. Um, you can't handle stress. You can't handle change. You can't handle complexity, you can't handle unpredictability, you you really are unable to handle anything that's challenging in the world without the ability to draw on your experience and project it into the future and become aware of yourself and others and process that on an ongoing basis. So the question is, why do people with ASD have this? And th- this is where research in, uh, the ASD research has really fallen down because they don't ask that question. They they study it. They say, oh, here's an impairment. And so the implication is, well, too bad. If you've got ASD, this is it. Or we need to just teach them how to do these skills, which you can't do because in typical development, these things are occurring. These are developing from very early on over years and years and years in, in parent-child relationships, not in groups. But, you know, you can't make up for that in a, in a 10-week group, right? So... But what we do know, so when I go to now the, the typical development, I ask the question, 
which I'm, the ASD researchers haven't yet gotten to, but I, well, okay, if, if this is true, these are these impairments, how do these things develop typically? What do we expect to happen? I mean, you're not born with, babies don't have these abilities. Uh, infants don't, early infants, it, it develops over a period of years. Well, the research is very clear, especially when you look at these three areas, there's a very solid link that these develop in the family in terms, you know, through parent-child relationships through what we call a guiding relationship. Not necessarily guiding participation. You need to be careful because that's a very specific term. It's used about instructing certain skills and problem-solving skills. But I use the more general term, guiding relationship, where parents are involved in, and I call mind guiding, in developing the mental and emotional and self elements of their children. And they're doing this intuitively in, in the world. Um, but they're doing it. And, they, and the research on, when you look at those areas that I talked about, those impairments, and you look at typical development, what you see is that there's a strong body of research that's uh, uh, accumulated over the last 40 years demonstrating that these um, areas, these mental tools, if you will, are directly the result of hundreds, if not thousands of hours of play and conversation and working together and various other elements and joint, joint reminiscing between parents and parental figures, grandparents, parents, and these children, typically developing children. And that that's, without that, these things will not develop, okay? They're not just going to happen. So what are the implications of that for ASD? Well, there is research, and it's getting stronger all the time, and, and really accumulating, that shows that the guiding relationship does not form between infants who go on to be diagnosed with ASD and their parents. That there's a disruption that the parents are certainly capable of providing the guidance, but the vulnerabilities of these infants and toddlers who go on to be diagnosed with ASD are such that they're unable to participate. They're unable to provide the energy, the what they need to provide to make a guiding relationship work because it requires both the infant and the parent to be able to do this. And unfortunately, the only studies that have been done on the disruption up to this time or this used to, used to only function, used to only focus on parents who were mentally ill or parents who were neglectful or, you know, had attachment problems. And it's only recently now that we see that here we talk, we're talking about, you know, good parents, uh, normal parents who have the potential Good enough, I guess, is the word I'd like to use. Parents who have the potential to provide the guiding and yet are unable to provide this. And we're starting to see studies that show that these normal parents, the way they now start to parent their autistic children becomes different and diff more different and more different as the months go on. Even before the child is diagnosed, they are really unable to do intuitively what you can do with a typically developing child. Why? Because the child isn't providing you what you need to die. That research is becoming stronger and stronger. It hasn't yet been linked in, in, the, in the research area, in the ASD area, with the, the, uh, the uh, what we call the downstream or the later impairments. But there's a clear, 
association, in my mind at least, that I think you can demonstrate. Because there's also research that shows that this disruption or this deviance in, the, in relationship or this lack of ability of parents to be able to effectively guide continues. It's not just something in infancy. It continues, as you would expect, through childhood and adolescence. Right? You know, they're not naturally recovering from this. Right? And so what happens is that the, those hundreds and thousands of hours that typically developing children, right, accrue or obtain or participate in to develop that theory of mind and the awareness of themselves and the awareness of emotion in themselves and others and the ability to reflect on their experience, the ability to project them to the future. They don't have it. They don't get the benefit of those hours. Right? So, so what we can conclude is how, why would we expect someone who didn't get the benefit of those hours, those hundreds and thousands of interactions to be able to have these valid tools? Well, our conclusion, and I think it's a very sound research-based conclusion if you look at the research, is that these impairments that we see now are central, are critical, are directly obstructing the quality of life of people with ASD, are a direct result of their inability to benefit from a guiding relationship. Right? We have very nice research that shows us that that's not developing, that it needs to develop for these things to happen. And lo and behold, here's a population who has been deprived of a guiding relationship. And guess what? These impairments cripple them in life. So rather than thinking of these as intrinsic somehow to these people with autism, like you're born with the inability to have a theory of mind. You're born with the ability, inability to be aware of yourself. You're born with all those things. It makes a lot more sense if you look at the data, if you look at what we've seen, to say, no, what really is the problem is that they're not provided through nobody's fault with the opportunities, thousands and thousands of hours of opportunities, starting in infancy, that typically developing children are able to obtain in a guiding relationship. Research is very strong there. But yet, there seems to be a, 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 a... Lack of awareness that we can do much, much more for these people. That this is not inherent. This is not being someone with ASD does not mean you can't do these. It's not, these are not symptoms of ASD. They're indirectly symptoms of ASD because they're uh, symptoms of impairments of ASD. They're impairments of being cut off from a loving relationship. Right? And then if we can if we if we see that if we if we start with that premise right that opens up a huge new door for providing people opportunities and of course that's what we've seen with RDI that we can provide opportunities for people with ASD to become aware of themselves and others to learn from their prior experience the, the emphasis we've had on dynamic intelligence has really been an emphasis on giving Children, adolescents, adults, we, and their families with ASD, giving them the tools now to be able to extract, to be able to learn from their experience, to organize it, to use it to help them prepare and plan for the future. It's been dramatic in the way they feel, in the way that their sense of agency, their sense of effectiveness in the world, their sense of um, being becoming aware of their own emotional life. Um, it's been dramatic. It's been tremendous. And so we know we can 
provide a guiding relationship for pretty much any child and parent who's willing to engage with us. It doesn't matter about the child's impairment, level of disability, it doesn't matter. And we can provide the opportunity for this type of growth, this type of mental and emotional growth for any child up to the point of that, you know, each child's going to have different limitations and such, but we can provide much, much more. Um, that, that's the awareness I, I hope that we all can provide. It's a very strong, you know, we talk about something being research-based. We have to move away from just thinking something is research-based because there's a double-blind study of randomized controls or whatever. Uh, most of those studies of randomized controls have an outcome that is irrelevant to anything. But research-based also means that there's research evidence to support changing the way we look at this, changing the way we approach this. Right, And there's a very, very strong research base for this that we all should be acquainted with. And that's looking at typical development. So there's three areas. If we look at the what we call the downstream impairments that are universal, the children, adolescents, adults with ASD, that no matter what your other abilities are, limitations, these are handicapping. These are things that are not developing. If we look at those, if we look at the work that's being done with infants and toddlers who are not yet diagnosed, and look at the disruption that's occurring in the interaction with parents, even though the parents are capable people. We look at that. And then third, we look at typical development, and we look at how these things require a guiding relationship. Scores and scores of studies. This is not, you know, just on theory of mind alone, I have over 50 studies demonstrating the direct link between the guiding relationship and, and theory of mind development. And so if you take away the guiding relationship, why would you ever expect, why would you be surprised to see that people with ASD have a deficit in theory of mind? It's, it's, it should be obvious, right? It's research-based. I think it's, it's, it's important that we try to create that linkage. That's the awareness I'm hoping that we can provide through what we're doing um, for, our, for our larger community. That, I think, will make a difference in what we do. It, it, to redirect our emphasis to providing those experiences for people with ASD, whether they're, you know, certainly starting as early as possible, but at any age, and providing parents with the resources, which we try to do, to be able to develop a mindful guiding relationship, knowing that that intuitive relationship through no fault of their own, it didn't develop and, and isn't going to develop. That so they have to be mindful that we have to help them to look at the particular child and what they need to actively participate in that relationship. That's my hope for awareness this year. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for ASD, A New Perspective. The podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we do encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.